The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you. Good morning. I want to share with y'all just something personal from my, from my heart here, just my own personal living of this moment, right? There's a communal aspect to coming to Mass, but then there's also a personal aspect of it where we engage our heart into the mystery and we unite our heart to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and we lift our heart up to our Lord and we offer our hearts and our whole livelihood and all that we are to Jesus in this encounter with him. For me, I'm always so moved and I'm grateful for Deacon Michael and his diaconate that he shares with all of us in his ministry. But for me, it's beautiful to see him lifting up the book of the Gospels. And I have the grace because our Lord's given it to me at the moment of consecration because he uses my hands, my voice, Jesus uses me as he used Deacon Michael to lift up what is now bread but will be consecrated and become Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Lift it up on high. Lift it up on high. So as the gospels are lifted up on high, for me in my heart, in my heart what was going on this morning was just Jesus speak to my heart. Jesus speak to my heart. What do you wanna tell me today? Jesus, speak to my heart, and as you give me the grace, nothing I'm worthy of, and actually something that, for the most part, as a priest, can be very fearful of, is to try to preach, and to try to shed light on what Jesus may wanna say to you, may wanna say to you today. And that, my own reflection this week, taking the living word of God and the gospel today and Romans and the first reading and all that and going through that. One thing was certain, one thing's very certain is, and I've said it before, I don't know your hearts, even those of you who I know the best. And my parents always tell me, Richard, you do not need to say that we're watching you online via live stream, but mom and dad, Hello, I'll call you tomorrow, right? Haven't been able to call you lately. I love you, I honor you, you're my parents. 
but they always watch and then they go to their mass at 11 o'clock in four hours away in their parish. But even my parents who I love very much and my siblings who I love very much, my aunts and my uncles and my cousins and all those who I've spent most of my life and close with very much, um, I don't know their hearts. I don't know their hearts. And probably the closest on earth you can get to really knowing someone's heart is those of you that have the immense grace of being married, of living out the sacrament of matrimony, that you're able to know over the years the heart of your spouse. But even you would say, I would imagine, you don't know completely the heart of your spouse. Who does? Well, the living word of God, it's easy to see that Jesus did and does. Remember all the stories of him walking on the road and he's walking on the road and he arrives to the house and he turns to his closest apostles that he's trying to educate and lead. He says, what were you talking about along the way? Remember how he's there preaching and before he even begins the parable to the Pharisees and the scribes and those and the disciples and those that had an open ear to him, he says, what are you thinking about in your heart? Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Jesus knew clearly the hearts of the downcast disciples in Luke chapter 24 when they were walking from Jerusalem after the scandal of the cross to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus. He knew their hearts. What did he do? He just came up and he probably had his hands behind his back to hide his glorious wounds and his tunic was a little lower so they didn't see his wounds and he met him along the way and said, what are you discussing along the way? He knew exactly what they were talking about. And they said, are you the only foreigner? Are you the only foreigner that has no clue what happened in Jerusalem? This Jesus, the Son of the living God, was crucified. We were following him. We dedicated three years of our life to him. And we're leaving Jerusalem because we don't know if someone's coming after us. And we're not, <laughs> we don't want that to happen to us. You're the only foreigner? And Jesus said, tell me about it. He didn't unfold it all to him. He said, tell me about it. I want to know what's in your heart. I want to hear it from you. I love you. And he listened to him. And he opened scriptures to, scripture to him and he challenged them, and then he was willing to walk, and he waited for them to invite him into their home. St. John the Evangelist, he said, when, when, when Jesus was given his mother to St. John the Evangelist, said St. John the Evangelist took her into his home, into that home of his heart. So I don't know your hearts, but I do know who knows your heart. And I do know who knows you and loves you. One thing I do know, matter of fact, one thing I do know and each and every one of us know, and every single human being created in the image and likeness of God that has ever walked this earth knows. They may not want to embrace it, but they know this. Everybody, everybody has a cross. Sometimes we may want to exchange our cross, like in the marketplace. Let me turn this one in here. Or let me go on eBay and take this cross for stack cross or whatever. 
But sometimes we exchange it and the cross gets even heavier. I don't want this cross. And then it becomes heavier. Sometimes we're carrying a cross and others aren't like Simon of Cyrene or Veronica. Her name's Veronica in the gospel, right? The one who, who put the, the, the veil over, covered Jesus' face and his face was on that. They call her Veronica. Simon of Cyrene was true name because his children in the Acts of Apostles were Alexander and Rufus mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles. And Simon Serene carried the cross of Jesus. And they probably mentioned Alexander and Rufus in the Acts of the Apostles because Simon of Serene, a saint in heaven, was a follower of Jesus Christ and passed on that faith despite the cross that he carried, the honor of carrying the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, Alexander and Rufus became believers. Veronica, we don't know if that was really her name, but we, we know that person, that woman, met Jesus on the way, way because Veronica literally means vero icon in Greek. Vero icon, true image. So they call her Veronica, true image that was on the cloth that she held out. But not everybody's there to help us carry our cross and sometimes in our life people can put weight on our cross add to the weight of our cross and we can add to the weight of other people's crosses Jesus knows that but Jesus like Peter in the gospel day looks at you, looks at me and says to us personally in the heart whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself and when you hear in scripture himself or man, that means man and woman and humanity. In Espanol, it's los hermanos, the brothers. But hermanos, los hermanos means hermanos y hermanas, brothers and sisters combined. They're called hermanos, hermanos, okay? In English, we just say man and woman. But when we say man in English too, it means man and woman complete. It means man, woman, boy, girl, everybody. It means man, it means humanity. Him means humanity when we're referencing scripture. So when Jesus says to you and me, he means it to each one of us personally. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, herself, take up their cross daily and follow me. I don't know about you, But the cross can be scary. The cross can be very scary, especially when we're looking at it from a distance. And it can even get scarier when it gets closer to us. Peter knew that. And sometimes St. Peter gets a bad rap because he turns to our Lord and says, not you, Lord, because the crucifixion was way too real for Peter. We don't walk out of our churches We don't walk out of our homes. We don't walk to the marketplace and witness people hanging from a cross. We don't. But with the eyes of Jesus, if we had the capability of seeing the hearts of men and women, boys and girls in our supermarkets, in our public square, we would see a lot of people hanging on a cross, suffering, but we don't know their hearts. But for Peter, it was real. It was a person crying out physically from a cross and it was not anything pleasant to see. Peter loved Jesus. 
He was willing to lay down his life for Jesus. Like we can all say, y'all are here because you love Jesus. Y'all are here with me, we're together, we're trying to follow Jesus. It is not easy. Jesus knows that. So he does not leave us alone. When Peter said, Lord, not you, he said it out of love, but Jesus says, there is no me without the cross, as St. Paul says in his writings. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and just pure insanity to pagans. We preach Christ crucified. There is no Jesus Christ without the cross. He went to the cross and through the cross obtained salvation for us all. He who was innocent and pure beyond imagination gave everything for all humanity. There are a lot of people in our community and the Lord has given me such a blessing to do the best with the, the, my own weakness and my own inability to serve my, it's so hard as a human being, but it's so beautiful as a priest. You see, because I can look out into the congregations every mass and because people open their heart in a personal way to me, I know the crosses they carry. I know the crosses that many of you carry. Last night after the five o'clock mass, every first Saturday, we do the anointing of the sick. And so many of our beloved seniors are there and they just want that sacrament of healing to give them courage and strength to continue to give witness to the faith in the state of life that they're in. Many of you may know Clarence and Marie Merval. Clarence is 100 years old. Marie is 96. They have been 76 years married. They are faithfully at mass to the best of their ability every Sunday. And their daughter comes at times to daily mass and takes communion to them in their home. 76 years married this year. And they're so full of joy. Last night before anointing them over here, over here we were anointing, and Marie, due to her capabilities, she's in a wheelchair, and Clarence stood up, and so oftentimes I see Clarence pushing Marie into the church, and I say to Marie, Marie, is he pushing you around? And she looks up with a smile and says, no, Father, I'm pushing him around. <laughs> the beauty of married love. This parishioners, I, I can say, this is a cross I gotta do. I gotta push my wife around. That's my cross, maybe, or it's an act of love. The one in the wheelchair could say, my cross has wheels on it. I'm confined to the wheelchair. But when you see real active love where Christians, they've got their crosses, especially those of you in married love, loving your children, driving them a carpool, all the sacrifices you make, you dads that forego buying a new set of clothes so that your children can have what they need for their school. You moms who pass a meal and don't have lunch because you're trying to get the groceries for everybody else in the evening. So many hidden sacrifices, love, so many crosses, but even you would not consider that a cross. It's an act of love. 
God willing, we're gonna be blessed to have a priest join us in a few weeks. He's been helping out. He helps out in the Spanish Mass. He doesn't speak any English. And he's here in our diocese. And he came to our country because a cross was thrust on his life that he didn't ask for. You see, well over a year ago, he was serving his people like God called me to serve you in Nicaragua. And he was preaching the good news of Jesus Christ in Nicaragua. And he and his bishop got thrown in jail. He and several other priests were put in jail. They were in jail in poor conditions, much poorer than the United States of America. And they're there for six to eight months in jail for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ in Nicaragua. One day, they were rallied up, put in a bus, driven to the airport, didn't know where they were going, asked to get off the bus, all the priests were asked to get on the plane. The bishop was one of the last ones with a few priests. And the bishop said, I'm not leaving my country, I'm not leaving my people. They put him back in the bus, and to this very day, he is in prison. He is in prison. The priest that will join us, he and all those other priests were placed on this plane. And when they got on the plane, authorities said to them, when you depart from here, every single record that proved that you existed, your baptismal certificate, your birth certificate, anything that showed that you were from this country will be destroyed. You're not welcome back. You don't belong here. And so they arrived in America. And they found themselves here in Charlotte because one of them had a sibling. My dad called that not a white martyrdom. Not a red martyrdom where you offer your blood. But he called it a pink martyrdom. Where you're bleeding internally. And the worst thing you can ever do to a priest or bishop is remove him from his call to serve his people like removing a parent from taking care of their children. You're not my children, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's cross. What's your cross? What's the cross that you're carrying in your heart? Is it a family member that may be struggling with depression? Is your cross maybe your effort to try to strengthen your marriage and maybe something like our marriage program, four nights of date nights could possibly help? Talking about problem solving, communication, love languages. Is your cross that you are a senior in high school like the two young ladies I saw walking up who maybe your cross is, is you're just a little concerned in your heart what you're doing next year you poured out your life into that, those four years of high school. Maybe your cross is you're a freshman in high school or a sixth grader starting middle school. Maybe your cross is you're a, you're a parent that's pouring out on a daily basis, driving your kids and providing for them. Maybe your cross is your loved one, maybe even a child or your spouse has passed from this life to the next and it's as if part of your heart 
has been ripped out of you. Maybe your cross is that everything is just perfect. The seas are calm. Life is beautiful. Yet you sense a call in your heart to step out and try something new to grow in your faith. A Bible study. Serve here at this parish in some way, welcoming people in hospitality. Reaching out to another person after mass instead of quickly going to a car. We all have a cross. My brother says, we all have a cross, but Jesus invites us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him because it's through the cross to the resurrection. It's with the cross to the light. It is in the cross that the cross becomes our key open up eternal life. Oh, hail, oh, holy cross, our only hope. God bless you.